This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 20th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. How does the U.S. compare with European efforts at protecting young people online? Cato's Jennifer Huddleston and Matthew Feeney with the Center for Policy Studies in the U.K. discuss the differences in approach and what that means for online privacy. A number of states and a number of countries have attempted to address child safety online with mixed results and mixed respect for uh, the ability of adults to get online without being tracked or otherwise harangued about their identities. So Jennifer, if you don't mind, set the table here on uh, the efforts that you are following with respect to trying to protect children as they engage with the broader world online. Thanks, Caleb. And As you mentioned, we've seen this issue really take off, particularly over this last year at a state level, at a federal level, and at an international level with other countries considering this topic as well. I know in past podcast episodes, we've dived a little deeper into what some of the concerning consequences of this legislation could be, including things you just alluded to, concerns about the fact that requiring age verification for everyone under 18 means requiring age verification for everyone over 18. The fact that we've already seen the market and civil society respond and provide a wide array of of tools to help fit the specific needs of different families who are going to have different concerns when they say they're concerned about their children online. That can mean very different things in different households, and a law can't take into account all those nuances, let alone all the different types of household situations we may have in the world. And then finally, there's a lot of concern about what this could do for speech, not only the speech rights of young people who have been able to use the internet in a wide way, array of productive ways, as well as the concerns that have been expressed, but also for the speech rights of adults and for issues around things like anonymous speech. What we saw recently happen is at least two of these bills have been challenged in federal court. These are the Arkansas law uh, that would have certainly prohibited young people from accessing a wide variety of online platforms, as well as a California law that was a more age-appropriate design code, something that dictated what type of content could be served as as default and and really was getting into kind of the, the nuts and bolts there. What we've now seen is that the courts have enjoined both those laws on First Amendment grounds. This really highlights the concerns that we've discussed in the past about why even if these laws are well-intentioned, they have a lot of concerning consequences for free speech online. Matthew, what has Great Britain tried to do and how do you you know, evaluate their likelihood of success by the metrics that they would like to use? Yeah, well, the, the UK has this year passed the online safety bill, which was years and years in the making. Unlike the US, uh, the UK has no equivalent of the, the First Amendment. Um, so there is no prohibition on the government taking steps to limit speech or mandating that private companies treat speech in certain ways. And well, well, the government did that with uh, enthusiasm with the online safety bill, mandating that the regulator called Ofcom, which is basically the British equivalent of the FCC plus the post office, to to regulate the, the internet by backing up certain mandates on how they treat 
dangerous content with very hefty fines of 10% of global turnover. Now, that is something many, I think, Americans would look at and say, well, yeah, thank goodness we're here in the States with uh, the First Amendment. We don't have to worry about what, what the British do. But unfortunately, because these are global internet platforms, these American companies that we all have in mind, you know, the big California companies that run social media sites, nonetheless have to comply with, with British law. Um, so I think a lot of Americans are likely to see changes to their online platforms as uh, these companies seek to work into compliance with the online safety bill, which is due for royal assent in the coming weeks. So Jennifer, Matthew makes a good point, which is in an, in an ideal world, we Americans wouldn't care that much about what they're doing in Europe or other countries. But when you, a tech platform, are compelled effectively to build a certain amount of infrastructure to comply with some more restrictive nation's rules, you essentially make that a turnkey process for other countries. Right. One of the growing concerns in online speech is how we may be seeing a, a Brussels effect, an effect where particularly looking at the EU and policies like the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act and GDPR to go back a few years, may be impacting well beyond Europe's borders as we see these large companies apply a single rule to issues such as content moderation or privacy, where they're often going with the most restrictive option. One of the kind of unique things we did see in the online safety bill debate was we saw a number of companies say that they would consider pulling out when the bill was in at least one of its earlier forms. We saw this with encrypted messaging services who expressed a lot of concerns about the so-called spy clause in the bill. We also saw uh, Wikipedia, which is a, a company that's often forgotten about in these conversations, but is user-generated content, discuss how it might pull out of the UK under these bills. For the average American, though, there, there are still concerns when we look at something like the online safety bill when it comes to the use of encrypted messaging services to stay in touch with, with friends and family, but also when it comes to the kind of ongoing way that the UK debate and the US debate seem to be feeding each other, particularly on the issue of youth online safety. So um, among the several states, there have been attempts to sort of seize control of tech regulation especially on speech platforms. What do these states hang their hat on in terms of being able to do that from the get-go? Well, I wouldn't be a lawyer if I didn't answer, it depends at some point in this podcast. But it really has depended, and because we've seen this happen in both red states and blue states, and often for very different reasons. And that's one of the concerns about why a state-by-state -state approach could end up with such a confusing patchwork that really changes the nature of the internet as we know it. Not only do you have the concerns we would have about the implications for speech at a federal level, but one can imagine that California and Arkansas probably would disagree with each other a good bit on what type of information is appropriate for children of a certain age. While there certainly may be some overlap, we can imagine that in any number of these issues, that you're not, even if states pass nearly identical laws, they're not going to have nearly identical interpretations of those laws. 
So in some cases with, with what we're seeing on youth online safety, it may be related to concerns about certain types of content that young people are accessing, but it also is oftentimes um, a broader debate at, at hand as well. When we're looking at kind of regulations around content moderation more generally, uh, we've seen conservative states, uh, red states like Texas and Florida passing legislation that's really focused on their kind of concerns about supposed anti-conservative bias or about their concerns of the censorship of certain political figures as they see it um, and trying to place requirements that would require platforms leave up content, even if it was content that they felt did not serve their audience and that they wanted to take take down. This could certainly have very concerning consequences, including in those cases of content that most of us wouldn't want young people exposed to. On the other hand, we have seen some discussion from uh, progressives and from blue states on calls to take down more content, calls to be more restrictive, concerns that are expressed with regards to what they see as the growing prevalence of hate speech online or concerns about disinformation and misinformation that would require a much more heavy-handed approach on the part of platforms at the direction of the states. Jennifer, I think you and I have discussed in the past the sort of concerning trend that people have had in the U.S. to look to more restrictive countries when it comes to online speech as, I don't know, a role model. Matthew, when European countries are looking at these kinds of restrictions or you know, handling disinformation. The uh, European Commission is haranguing X over uh, misinformation related to the conflict in Israel. And what does that do more broadly? That that kind those kinds of restrictions. Yeah, it, they they do a number of things. The first is I, I think it's important for the audience to realize that that I think amongst many European leaders, the American First Amendment standard is considered somewhat bonkers uh, and doesn't really get much of the time of day. Uh, and we've seen that in the wake of the conflict in Israel with European countries banning protests of a, or um, insisting on social media action. Uh, and that, I think, is is worrying because it, I think, empowers a lot of Americans to say, but look, you know, we're in this club of liberal democracies around the world and they're taking steps to address these harms and we still think they're free. So it can't be that bad to regulate online speech to counter disinformation or content harmful for children. And on the other hand, the countries that belong in the, how should I put it, the not free club, these kind of proposals allow them to diminish the effects of their own proposals. They could, for example, clamp down on the internet in their own countries and say, but the British passed the online safety bill, you know, it's not as if where this is a really bad authoritarian move, the, the liberal British did this. They could point to uh, similar legislation in Europe. Uh, so I worry that the European approach to online content moderation will be used by allies to buttress bad proposals and by foes to justify um, authoritarian tendencies. And I think this yields itself very well to a discussion of, you know, kind of where are we in this debate? What does this mean is likely to happen next in in the U.S. around youth online safety proposals. I think we will continue to hear discussion around this um, and that there are a lot of approaches that we're seeing that could um, it, that 
could be an alternative. We've seen some bills really look at education as opposed to regulation um, as a way to kind of in- help empower young users through education in the classroom um, so that hopefully they would be, you know, able to make the decisions that best align with their their family's ide- ideals or to use the internet in a safe and beneficial way and to know what the risks they may encounter are. The other thing, though, I think to point out to particularly those focused on the U.S. side of the debate is we have seen that the First Amendment means that these proposals will face strict scrutiny in the court. And that means that most of what we've seen come out of the states so far are unlikely to survive legal challenge if they meet such challenges. And so it'll be interesting to see what that may mean for what any kind of further proposals look like. If this is something that policymakers care about, do we start to see kind of more of a shift towards things focused on education as opposed to regulation? Or do we continue to see an attempt to kind of copy this more heavy-handed approach that we're seeing from certain other countries, knowing that it will likely lose in court if challenged? Matthew Feeney is head of tech and innovation at the Center for Policy Studies. Jennifer Huddleston is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.